Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Nightcap. On 1140 The Bet, your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Here's your host, Lindsey Brown. Welcome back to the Nightcap. What a time it is truly to be alive to talk some hockey. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever. And on the other side of the mic, hello, friend. What's Dominic Lavoie. Oh, go. Let's let's start you know. that again. Oh, um, I'm Dominic Lavoie, a little 19 year old kid that's here for the last couple of weeks, and I just like talking about hockey. So that's just me. We are so happy to have you, Dominic. Thank you. And uh, as you mentioned, you are here to help us go through the hockey world. It was a, a a weird week last week here in the Las Vegas area as we were host to the NHL All Star Game. The festivities were were great. There were some lull periods, absolutely, mm-hmm. be that in the arena or in, in broadcasting parts of it. But regardless, uh, there were a hell of a lot more hockey jerseys on the strip as I was gallivanting in the early morning hours over the weekend uh, belonging to hockey teams rather than football teams because the Pro Bowl was also in yeah. town. And so I, I think it speaks a lot to what kind of community this is and, and what influence the gold knights have had it's truly was hockey central here this weekend even uh in the face of the big brother nfl yeah 100 percent. and you know it was a it was a nice little sight to see for me i mean i work on the strip for right now and working in a hotel oh, and God just seeing you. yeah and just seeing all those like hockey jerseys come out and like all like the newer ones like the uh, Jack Hughes's or like the Claude Giroux's or anything like that and then seeing sure. the older ones like I've seen um, Nick Jalmerson jerseys from the Blackhawks from like almost mm. 10 years ago it feels like I've seen Chris Chelios Blackhawks jerseys I've seen I talked to him just, yeah I talked I, to him at during the all-star game he was starving so he was asking me well where'd you get your M&Ms I'm like well I got at the table and clearly they had run out and so I asked if he wanted to split mine, and so he took about half of it out, and then I gave him a couple packets of my fruit stacks too. So if the broadcast was like a 10 out of 10, <laughs> I'm probably responsible for at least half a point there. I mean, I didn't give anything 100%. to Mark Messier, but Chelios, 
he was technically under my care. Yeah, exactly. Got to take, got to take it where you. But can yeah, get it. it was an eclectic mix of, of jerseys. I was actually very surprised to see how many Minnesota jerseys I saw down mm-hmm. here. And granted, there are some areas of the country that are experiencing this thing called winter, and so yep. maybe they wanted to <laughs> escape said hellish landscape to come here. And and so and really to see the Kirill Kaprizov play. I mean, Cam Talbot did really well as mm-hmm. a net miner. I I have absolutely no uh axe to grind with any of the net mining in the all-star game because it's an absolute shit show i've been in 3v3 situations not on full ice like that but i've played in have you been on like those 3v3 rinks where they're just a little bit smaller like these little mini rinks for kids i played in that it was still in college during the summer and it was me against basically the entire Gopher women's team, which at the time oh. included Hannah Brandt, Danny Camerneese, Kelly Panic. All three of them are in Beijing right now playing for for uh, their second straight Jeez. gold medal. Let's just say it wasn't exactly the, the most fun afternoon I've had. <laughs> and I may or may not have given up more goals in that afternoon that I had my entire previous season's worth. And so... It's just a completely different mindset and angle play and everything because mm-hmm. it's you don't have the same number of bodies, you don't have the same number of defenders, and with that, uh, there's a whole lot of space and a whole lot of time that are given to some of the best in the game, and so it's really not in your favor. But yeah. what else is new for goalies? We just get shit on constantly. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a sad trend because I like goalies. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack Campbell played great. Yeah, I, I thought he had some very magical saves. I mean, I kind of documented a bunch of the the stuff that I was seeing from my vantage point during the All-Star game. And if you want to see any of that, I actually posted it on my Instagram. It's at Lindsey Brown, or not at Lindsey Brown 35, at Linz Brown 35, L-I-N-D-Z Brown 35. And I think it's in like the highlight reel of All-Star game 22. But uh, if you're looking for details of like who won anything and like the other than Claude Giroux winning the MVP <laughs> and, and definitely not answering any questions about trade deadline, I I, I have no other details for you because we're not that type of show. We're here to shoot the nope. shit and talk hockey and, and kind of create an environment that we would liken to a, a locker room, one that's a friendly one, one mm-hmm. that's not like weird and awkward, like it probably yeah. was at some points this over the weekend. But you you said you wanted to talk about Closure Roo and his candidacy as a potential trade target. Now, Closure Roo, as uh, I'm, I'm going off the top of my head here as I'm going to cap friendly, he's on an expiring deal. He's 34 years old. The only team he's ever played for is the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's been to one cup final, and that was in 2010 when they lost. And uh, Michael Layton gave up like one of the worst goals ever mm-hmm. to clinch the Stanley Cup, uh, or one at least for Patrick Kane. Uh, who am I looking up right now? I'm looking up Philadelphia, who is absolutely garbage this season <laughs> when it comes to their actual results. And you know they fired their coach. They have Mike Yo come up and and be the interim tag, and we'll see if the f- third time is the charm for him. And really not going super well since they made that change because they've had to bring in John Torchetti to basically rattle some some heads in the locker room since because let me tell you uh Dominic from what I know about Mike Yo he's not exactly the loudest guy in the locker room that everybody's gonna be like sir yes sir and sometimes that's just what needs to happen but Clojure mm-hmm. is making 8.275 million dollars as we mentioned he is 34 years old and he can play any position really up as a forward now in order for him to be moved he would have to waive his no move clause and it's not out of the realm of possibility. We've seen it happen with other players where they could be traded down the stretch of a deadline and then return to their team in the offseason once free agency opens up. Now, I don't know if that's what Giroux would want. He still seemed to think that they potentially could get back into the hunt for this season as the Flyers. I don't think so. Mm-mm. And so it's really, Claude, do you want to potentially uproot and 
basically probably leave your family in Philly to go chase uh, a, a cup with the team for a couple months. And I know that he uh, he brought his his oldest but young, very still young son, mm-hmm. Gavin, and I know that they have another little one as well. Um, and so where where do you think people would want to see him go and which deals do you think he would actually say, you know what, that I'll consider? Because not everybody is on his list. I mean, I've seen um, a lot of rumors involving the Avalanche. I mean, I think – they're like that team has been like a lot of central when it comes to trade mm-hmm. deadline rumors, whether it's Claude Giroux now or Marc Andre Fleury in past months. They've been mm-hmm. really active in that realm. So, I mean, I think Giroux would be pretty solid in Colorado, but I don't think that's what Colorado needs because we've talked about in the past they need healthy goaltending and consistent goaltending. So, I wouldn't really like to see that. And I've seen also Toronto, I don't really know if. I wonder Giroux. if they trade him straight up for Kadri. Oh my goodness! I don't think <laughs> I mean, that's that's blasphemous. And yeah. granted, we're just talking, we're just like literally shooting the shit and 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 seeing what comes to our brain. But he's on an expiring deal as well, and his value has never been higher. Yeah, Kadri. So you unreal. could technically you could and and Giroux. I mean, what what is he dealing with stats wise this year? Do you know if he's actually doing very much? I don't think he is because it's just when you're playing on a team that's that porous and. Based off of what I've seen in terms of how they uh, the effort they play on defense, you're just like, oh my god, this this has to be an absolute dumpster fire. I would hate to play goalie on that team right now. Oh yeah, just looking up the regular scoring season. Let's see. I mean, Giroux's almost thirty five points. It's a great number of points to have, but he's (laughs) minus six, so he's just one point behind Cam Atkinson. And that's the thing is, like, there was a lot of deals that they made in the offseason. They being the Philadelphia Flyers to help bolster this this team to hopefully take a step because when they were in the bubble a couple of years ago, they were the dark horse team. You know, mm-hmm. They're the team that ascended through the play-in tournament and actually made it, it into the playoffs. And sometimes when that happens, it creates a false narrative yeah. about yourself. I mean, uh, we, we saw that happen with the Vancouver Canucks. We, mm-hmm. we, we saw that a little bit, um, not so much with the, with the New York Rangers because they were eliminated, but you could see that they were starting to come on. And, yeah. and it was really about – how to not overreact to success or failure. Yeah. And so some teams, they they push their chips in the middle because they think it's it's the time to do so. And I don't think that's what uh, Philly was doing, but they were certainly trying to bolster the roster that they had started to assemble, which included like a long-term deal for for Kevin Hayes that included uh, Sean Couturier winning a, did he win a Selkie last year, wasn't he? Wasn't he a top three for a I Selkie think he last was, yeah. year? Um, that includes Carter Hart as your as your next goalie that hopefully creates a, a franchise type of relationship there that they have sorely missed as an organization. And it, things just haven't gone well. They got off to such a bad start, and they haven't been able to really get anything consistently going besides losing. They've had two mm-hmm. separate losing streaks of 10-plus of games. And so I'm kind of thinking, I'm like, Claude, you really think that this is the roster that's going to turn this around this year? I don't think so. I mean, And so it's really – it has to be a pretty good bell for the ball, right? You mentioned the Colorado Avalanche. They're going to be at the top of the list for things. But what do you think about, like, Canadian teams? Do you think he would be consider maybe a Toronto or or an Edmonton? Because we all know that there are different considerations to make with that. But also, if he's going to be leaving his family behind, you might as well go, like, what's lockdown then, right? Yeah. And so, and being from Canada himself, too, there might be something there in terms of just testing the water, see if this could be a marriage long-term because uh, some people don't play well back home mm-hmm. versus uh, playing in in the states. If they had a if a Canadian team had to be in the market for them, who would it be and why? Um, I've seen a lot of Toronto. Yeah, and I mean I can see that because when I think we've talked about Toronto in the past too, with like how their culture is and like how they play in the playoffs, especially recently with all the first round exits, it doesn't seem That's like there's real like 
a like hardworking culture there. I mean, Austin Matthews disappeared in the playoffs last season. Mitch Marner disappeared in the playoffs last season. So maybe if they yeah, do William get... Yeah, William Nylander was the only one yeah. worth a damn in that whole thing, and, and, and Jack Campbell. And Toronto fans were trying to run Nylander out of town a few years ago, too, Correct. so it's kind of ironic. But... They missed Morgan Riley a hell of a lot, too. Yeah. Or not Morgan Riley. Uh, Jake, um, he's from Minnesota. Gardner, Jake Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, they missed Jake Gardner a lot. But um, I think maybe Claude Giroux, because he's had this label of a hard worker for basically his entire semi-pro pro career. I remember, beard. yeah, like back in back in juniors when he was being scouted by teams, like all the scouting reports said, oh, a little undersized, but he's a hard worker, and now mm-hmm. he's one of the top players in the league, and he's still that same hard-working guy. So, I mean, if you get a veteran in there, I mean, this isn't a knock to John Tavares, but if you get a hard-working mm-hmm. veteran in there like Giroux, that might be able to switch up the culture, and maybe yeah, they can make the it out of the second round. What, the, what that deal would do for them this year and like what they did last year when they went out and got Nick Foligno, another captain yeah. of, of, a, of a team that has Canadian ties, that has motivation levels, uh, and obviously they didn't have a ton of time to gel because they trade deadline, you only have a couple weeks, and then they were bounced in that first round. Mm-hmm. But similar type of ask, right? Yeah, that you're looking it's for. very similar. I mean, do you think Giroux has enough in his tank just based off of how? Because I'd be super depressed right now if I were him. Like I'd be really bogged down with hockey in general. I'd just be very mm-hmm. burnt out. And so sometimes the change of scenery can kind of rejuvenate, but sometimes it's it can be overwhelming. And I just I don't know. He's a hard worker, but he doesn't have like the strongest on ice personality that I've seen yeah. in terms of being decisive and being like the highest energy in the room and so sometimes when you have to generate that for yourself on a new team you know it's it's hit or miss Mm -hmm. and so it's a big gamble for him I think and honestly I think he's probably thinking about legacy too about how many players play for one organization and if he wants to sign on long term because I bet you they would say well Claude if you want to hang around here for the rebuild we'd love to have you but we we also want you to go chase something but maybe yeah. the jersey means more to him than than the than the overall chase and he thinks they can get that team back around in a couple of years because it doesn't take that long to get teams turned around just look at the mm-hmm. New York Rangers it's just you need to make a couple of the right moves as long as you have the right leadership in the in the place and yeah. so I don't know if that's the case when you still have Chuck Fletcher as the as the general manager but uh, I know that he's probably, you know, inside of 20 games of getting to 1,000, and so that will probably be achieved before the trade trade deadline. Uh, I'm not really sure entirely, but he's certainly a name that will be centered around because it, you don't know if you can include him in the conversation fully. Yeah, it's kind of like how we were talking about um, – in the off season when it came to Philip Grubauer yeah. and, and just like what, what the abs were going to do. Cause they're like, well, are you going to, how can you sign Grubauer and Landeskog? You can't really, but everybody thought they were going to resign Grubauer over Landeskog and it ended up being the direct opposite. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that, you just don't have as many teams that maybe spent the imaginative time thinking about it, or maybe you have teams that have spent too much time thinking about it. And then instead they've let other deals go by the wayside. And so there's a lot of movement. I, I think the Pacific division will be very, very, busy up to the trade deadline just because yeah. if you look at the standings I mean when I was uh up in the club with all the cool people uh during the all-star game this week we were all just talking shop and people were wondering well where where do you think you know big time defenseman a is gonna go I mean Jacob Chikrin is a name that a lot of people talk about mm-hmm. uh, as as a target for for teams like the Bruins for teams like the Kings for teams that are that are looking to make some noise and I'm just I, the only thing I think first before I go into specifics about team I go well, who's who's in the biggest arms race right now? 
because ultimately people make decisions based off of their current environment. And sometimes it's not necessarily adding a piece to their team. It's keeping one away from another. And right now, as it stands, Pacific Division is 57 points led by your Vegas Golden Knights. Then the Los Angeles Kings at 55 points. The Anaheim Ducks at 55 points. The Calgary Flames at 52 points. The Edmonton Oilers at 49. The Sharks at 48. The Canucks at 46. And way down there is the Seattle (laughs) Kraken at 34. So technically, one through seven, everybody is in striking distance. Yeah. Everybody is within 11 points of the Golden Knights. And with that, you have a big-time arms race point because you just have – three points separating the top or the the rest of the top four besides the Golden Knights. And we all know that we didn't expect Anaheim to be up this high in the standings this deep no. into the season. And to a degree, I'm sure some people would say L.A. I, I'm not surprised L.A. is here, um, but they were kind of down in the dumps for, for like the second, third of the first half of the season for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they've been able to reclaim some things, but the Oilers have been obviously dismal. They're the first team that the Golden Knights are going to be facing out of the All-Star break here. They're going to be playing them tomorrow night because uh, we're recording this on the 7th of February. Uh, and then they'll be going on a back-to-back and playing at the Flames as well. And so it, it's a very unique opportunity, I think, that the Knights have to face both of these teams early on, right after the All-Star breaks. So you're going to get everybody back trying to get reacclimated. And you got to remember, while the Edmonton Oilers haven't been running very hot, especially on their power play. I think they have like one power play goal in their last five or six games, which is asinine to think about when you talk about them. Uh, but they're, they're a team that was losing so games and games and games basically all of January until they were able to get a 5-3 to three win in, in Calgary, and then they were able to rattle off four games. But otherwise, this is a team that has spent the majority of December and January losing. And if you can kind of punch them in the mouth early mm-hmm. – and same with Calgary, because those are two teams that are going to be right in your face. They're going to be look. Every team is going to be looking to make up ground over everyone. Like these yeah. are four point swings each and every night, technically. But when you're playing the top team in the division, it counts a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Especially if you can beat them, and then say if Edmonton can beat the Golden Knights, but then the Sharks can't do it. What does that do too? You know, it's yeah. it's it's all about the the climbing. And so when you have that close of a standings, and the basically the Eastern Conference is set. I think there's going to be a lot of trade deadline movement and conversation around those teams through the middle of this Pacific division. And Gold Knights will be part of that conversation just in a different manner because mm-hmm. you have to get the salary cap situation figured out and everybody else knows that as well. And so yeah. it's just there's a there's a lot of truths that have yet to be unearthed when it comes to the Western Conference and more specifically the Pacific. But what another factor that I um, forgot to mention why I think the Pacific is even more contentious is that for how – uh parody driven this division is the central i think is the division where they will eat up both wild card spots mm-hmm. i think there's a lot the the teams in the central while they have a couple of really really shitty bottom dwellers they're an overall stronger crop and so therefore i think they will take up both wild card spots so if you only have three to work with just think of the scarcity complex <laughs> that creates right yeah i mean and we got anaheim who's dealing with a brand new gm as well we have to take that into consideration i mean la's made some big time moves i mean that philip deneau signing was a shot directly across the ball at, at, at mark stone yeah and and the kings i think are their biggest rival uh in the division uh because minnesota's not in our division anymore um, I'm interested to see how the Ducks and John Gibson do right out of the gate here to see if they're if they're able to to keep pace with their um, record so far because somebody's gonna have to start falling down here and we have mm-hmm. a lot we have 
three Canadian cities in our division that have to start making a big time games here as well. But as I mentioned, the Golden Knights are going to be starting off their little mini road trip here in Edmonton tomorrow night. Uh, and then they go to Calgary the next night. And then on the 16th, they'll be back home against the Colorado Avalanche, have a day off or two in between, and then play the Kings on the 18th. The Golden Knights certainly are not the most busy team when it comes to this makeup schedule February that we are all kind of waiting through as there's mm-hmm. so many games canceled uh, leading up to the holiday season. Yeah, I believe it was 98 games that got rescheduled for this month that like right. the entire league is going to be playing. So. It's going to be a lot of hockey. It doesn't make up for the NHL not being in the Olympics, but I mean, no, it is what it is. No, this is true. This is very true. We got the first iteration of at least this Olympiads, Team USA versus Team Canada on the women's side tonight. You guys should all check that out because it's the best rivalry in sports. I don't care what anybody mm-hmm. else says. Um, the Flames, though, they're a team that has bought in more, I think, than a lot of us had anticipated to Daryl Sutter and his system. And he's a hard coach to play for. But the thing is, is when you have results and when you have two Stanley Cups Mm -hmm. in the last 10 years, it's very easy for guys to get on board. But I think where your biggest leverage point in change, early on it was the Andrew Maggiapani character getting a bunch of points. Johnny Gaudreau is playing with a different level that we haven't seen him before. And we kind of saw this early on when he moved up from BC and 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 moved to Calgary, and we and they made a little bit of a run there, uh, along with the Edmonton Oilers, where they were able to both win a playoff round probably five or six years ago. But he's always been a guy that's undersized, obviously mm-hmm. has speed, but it, in lack of confidence or lack of continuity in trade rumors, like this is a guy who's been kind of bogged down by a lot these last few yeah. years and hasn't performed up to his his potential. And now we're not just seeing that. We're seeing him take it to another level. And even during the All-Star game, while they put him back on defense, I know that that's not exactly where mm-hmm. he likes to inhibit. When you when all of a sudden you're playing at a level that everyone else is saying that they've never seen from you, and you have to be feeling that as well, Like that's going to build on top of your grittiness that you have from the Matthew to Chucks and yeah. the, the Jakob Markstrom, who is leading the league in shutouts this year. Like Their goaltending has been the best all season outside of Frederick Anderson for mm-hmm. the Carolina Hurricanes. And the Carolina Hurricanes are a much more talented team than the Calgary Flames are. But the Calgary Flames, like I said, have bought in. Yeah. They're not taking nearly as many shifts off. They're not making nearly as many bad decisions. They're getting some pucks deep. And they're, they're taking care of the little things that have been ailing them. Because regardless of what gets you to the win or loss, call them the losses or losses. And if it is constantly your basic hockey 101 stuff like stopping on pucks making proper Mm -hmm. changes and if it doesn't get rectified it keeps happening and happening happening it's the same snowball but if you get those caught early you get some positive reinforcement you see johnny hockey looking like johnny jesus hockey all of Mm -hmm. a sudden holy shit guys we actually could make some noise here yeah and it's all about beating the right people at the right time i mean they haven't had too many extended losing streaks they had a nice little one two three four gamer early on in uh in january but outside from that, they've had a couple of uh, points where they've rattled off five or six wins in a row, and I'd sure I'd, I'd sure rather have a team that goes um, four wins in a row, two losses, or win, loss, loss, win, 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 mm-hmm. than what we're seeing from Edmonton per se, where it's just like they're in the ruts that they're in. They're either feast or famine. It's yeah. just not a fun place to be. Yeah, you know, with Calgary, I mean. I think if Edmonton beats Vegas tomorrow night, mm-hmm. that's going to be a huge two points for Calgary because, you know, like for you Edmonton, said. For Edmonton, you mean? For for Edmonton, yeah. And then for, also for Calgary because they're going to make up ground too. Right. So right. 
I mean, if they can get that, I mean, they've they've been playing really good hockey. And they're really not playing hockey. tomorrow night, but and that's a, if they can yeah. get the two points for Vegas to, or going to Edmonton, and then they can get another two on the second half of the back to back, that'd be hu- that'd be huge, humongous. But we'll we'll have to see if they're able to get it done because they've had a lot of people sitting for a couple of weeks, and so mm-hmm. that's the other thing too is like you got to be able to you can catch some teams sleeping a little bit, much like uh, Tom Wilson did in the opening shift of the All Star yeah. game when it was all three <laughs> of the Golden Knights who were all clearly hungover. I was there too, guys. <laughs> I felt it. We all felt it. We were all there, but that also implies that you are not the hunted. You're the hunter. Yeah. And so the Golden Knights need to be the hunter, and that's not always a given with them. Uh, depending on how games unfold, it's not always a given that they start well. Um, it's not always a given that they start well in every single period or get the goaltending level that they need to. But hopefully mm-hmm. Robin Leonard uh, got some good rest during the All-Star weekend, was able to kind of decompress and and get ready to go because it's, it's, a, it's a tough schedule out of the gate here to uh, at least opponent-wise, not frequency-wise. But then as as we move through the schedule here, as we mentioned, Colorado, L.A., then we're at the Sharks, at the Coyotes, the Avs again, the Sharks again, the Bruins, you know, the Ducks, Senators. Senators, not anybody to really be afraid of. But all of these teams that we have really mentioned, besides the Coyotes, are technically playoff teams right mm-hmm. now or in the conversation. And so um, some nights that calls for you to be the, the team that goes on the rush a lot, and sometimes that calls for you to be the team that, commits to the fortitude and resiliency plan where I don't open myself up to odd man rushes as often. I don't take this high danger scoring chance because if I miss or if I bobble this puck, it's going to go back up the other way and we don't have support. Like you have to be able to adjust and play and out discipline your opponent. And the Golden Knights, that's something that they've always struggled Mm -hmm. with and partially you could probably say it's due to the fact that this division has been so top-heavy and wishy-washy, and this is really the first season, at least since the Gold Knights have come into the league, where you're like, holy shit, this is a yeah. lot of strong hockey teams here because usually yeah. it's just a handful. And it builds that habit, too, like you mentioned earlier. It builds mm-hmm. a habit of just kind of cruising on the negatives and just kind of letting them slip by, but now there's seven teams in playoff contention, so, right. I mean, you can't you make those mistakes all the time. You don't have to be as intentional when you yeah. get to play a cream puff schedule, and so what in those moments where you need to dig down deep and you need to call upon those those grittier times to dig pucks out or or, or slam home that fourth or fifth rebound, if you don't have those, mm-hmm. you don't have that confidence in yourself to go get it done. Hell, you don't even have the really the roadmap. Because yeah. all of a sudden you're playing a game, well, we're supposed to be playing this way because this is how we play best. Well, now we have to change that? We haven't practiced that? Well, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it shows in the results too in the playoffs. Yes. Anytime they play a grittier team that's been through way more mm-hmm. and that focuses on those little things, they get Once punched in the mouth. Once their confidence goes, they're gone. It's, and it speaks for itself. But yeah. it shouldn't be as easy a box to put the Golden Knights into, especially when it comes to good goaltending, because that's going to be a given mm-hmm. in playoffs. Like that's You are going to play teams that know how to stack the middle and get good goaltending. Yeah. And so uh, to continue to do some of the same stuff that they go over and over – without committing to a, a different style or perhaps shaking up lines. Like, you just can't expect a different result. But we are going to have different results this year because Jack Eichel is going to force that upon this mm-hmm. team. And as we mentioned earlier on in this episode, that he was on the ice in a non-contact jersey. Uh, when he will play, we do not know. They DeBoer said it's all ba- progress. is based on how he kind of responds because he has to get hit. He has to mm-hmm. learn how to trust his body and, and see how it holds up. Um, but he is impending, and 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 that is a very very big time name to to hold over the heads of this team. And 
um, this roster and how it's going to be constructed. And so it, whether the Knights will wait towards the actual deadline itself to make a deal or maybe they'll try to make one uh, more ahead of time, I think technically Eichel's ahead of schedule. Yeah. Uh, I also think, I'm like, why play him at all until playoffs? But he's also a guy that hasn't played hockey in the better part of a year and a half. And so mm-hmm. you can't just expect, like, the Nikita Kucherov play him right and serve you yeah. and you're going to get, like, six goals. Like, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. He's never even played on this team with any of these guys before. Yeah, I mean, I was talking with a few of my friends um, about it today, mm-hmm. and one of them brought up maybe even sending him to the AHL for, like, a game or two sure. just to get him back used to game speed. It doesn't matter really, like – I'd if be he's playing if against they did like that. yeah, I mean like he's playing against lesser competition, but like get him used to game speed, get him used to hitting again, and like just kind of ease him back into it. But I mean, like you said, you're not going to drop him into a game, and he's not going to produce right away. And and if it happens, he's probably not going to be able to sustain that because it's been a year and a half since he's played hockey, mm-hmm. brand new teammates, brand new system. So he's, he's going to have to go, settle I'm in. Sure, it's just like it, it's just a different yeah. onboarding process, and they obviously want to take it very carefully because we're dealing with an unprecedented uh surgery and, and mm-hmm. a player that of a caliber that is very reliant on his spine as yeah. we all as, <laughs> as many of us are um but yeah it, it should be an interesting couple weeks here as the golden knights kind of get back up to speed with the rest of the nhl they don't have to play nearly as many games but they certainly have to keep that heart rate up and those intentions as simple as possible because this is a team that has a tendency to overcomplicate things mm-hmm. when it is unnecessary. And uh, in many ways, so do we. And so that's why I think this is a very, very solid episode of the Nightcap. We're almost at 30 minutes. And so I think we'll wrap it up here because until we see some actual hockey being played, I got nothing else to really add. Neither do I really. Excellent. Happy to hear that. Where can we find all of your work? Um, most of it at rebelreportunlv.com. Um, University Speaks on YouTube and the Greenspun and Media Studies YouTube channel and Dominic Lavoie Media at um, on Instagram at D-O-M-I-N-I-C-L-A-V like Victor O-I-E Media. So that's where all my stuff lives. And if you want to watch my subpar videos or listen to the Nightcap episodes subpar previously. Subpar is a good standard I hear. Um, yeah. Listen to the old Nightcap episodes. Listen mm. to Around the Boards episodes where me and one of my other colleagues at UNLV talk about UNLV hockey in depth and some Vegas Golden Knights stuff. You're more than welcome to. Well, thank you so much for helping us out again today, Dominic. And thank you all for listening to our, our rambling here. I think I only said shit about five, six times now, but <laughs> uh, we will make sure to edit this and mark it with an explicit warning. Till next time, which will be sometime next week. Be well, stay safe, use your blinkers, be well to each other, and most of all, yourself. Nightcap. Bye. <laughs>Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.